What happens at laser tag never stays at laser tag. Laser. Laser unfocused tag talk. Laser unfocused tag talk. I feel like you could be like in Ghostbusters or something. Like oh my god, you have got some stories. Let's talk about laser tag. Who knew you were a laser tag legend? Time to get laser unfocused. Tag talk with Tivia. Welcome to Laser Unfocused Tag Talk. Hi, I'm Tivia. Some Photon Warriors played back in the day and it became their nostalgia. But for the East Coast player known as Bodie Lee, the game never stopped. So I'd like to welcome Randy Metting, a.k.a. Bodie Lee, the other Bodie Lee, to join me now for some Laser Unfocused Tag Talk. Hey, Randy, how's it going? It's going great. How are you tonight? I'm great. Now, I'm so excited to be talking to you because we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is Photon, at least to start with. But you've been involved in laser tag from the beginning and you're still going. So maybe we can begin with, could you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got started in laser tag? Sure. Um, actually, it started in 86, 85 or 86, uh, when Worlds of Wonder laser tag first came out. Uh, my best friend's parents uh, purchased him a, a two-pack set, and I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And then um, in 1987, Photon in Ocean City, Maryland opened up, and uh, I didn't know it. I hadn't heard that it was opening, but my friend uh, had come to me and said, hey, you know, you think what we have is cool at home? They've got this place um, on the boardwalk that is its own arena. Um, so we went down there literally that evening, and um, I remember going on the boardwalk and there being a line probably 100 yards because it was an upstairs building um, where the laser tag was. It was a level above the, the actual boardwalk. And I remember the line being out the door about 100 yards. I remember waiting in line, going up the steps, getting at the top of the steps. Um, I hadn't even paid my money, um, but I just kind of looked around and saw this neat futuristic atmosphere. I hadn't even stepped foot in the arena or seen the arena. And when I stepped in that lobby, I said, I'll be doing this the rest of my life. And um, those defining moments, sometimes people have just a, a thing that clicks and says, this is like definitive of me. And that was a defining moment. I knew, even though I hadn't played before, I knew that I would be doing this the rest of my life and went in the arena and got negative 240 the first game I played and then negative 270 the second game I played. Uh, didn't know that there was an upstairs part of the arena and... Um, yeah, I was hooked. I was hooked since the second I put the gear on. So, I think that a lot of people can relate to that experience. And so Photon was your first system then, your true first arena system, it sounds like. And how long did yeah. you play? So um, I started occasionally going in 1987, um, pretty much maybe every two weeks in, in the summer of 1988. It was only a summer facility in Ocean City, Maryland. They were open pretty much from... Um, maybe a, a month or two before Memorial Day to maybe uh, three weeks after Labor Day every year. And then the summer of 89, I moved down there, uh, worked the entire summer um, there, and then the same thing in the um, summer of 1990. And then eventually I met up with some of the people who uh, played and owned the Baltimore Photon in Dundalk, Maryland. And um, one of the people that I played with was like, hey, um, my girlfriend and I are looking to get a place over in the Baltimore area and, um, would you like to come in and we could share an apartment and, or share a house, whatever. And, um, you will have a photon right nearby. And so couldn't pass that up. And, um, so I got into working at photon in Baltimore, 
until that one closed. Um, and it's been Photon pretty much the entire time um, from in Baltimore um, in 92. Baltimore closed and then it reopened in 1996 in Laurel, Maryland. And I was involved with that as Photon pretty much um, until it uh, changed hands and was converted to Lasertron. Um, and that became my next system that I, I uh, began playing competitively with. So it's interesting. You start with Photon, the original. You moved into some other traditional tag, and then uh, Tactical became part of your life a little bit later. But just going back to the very, very beginning, I love to talk to people about where their code names originated. And to some people, it'll be obvious right away. But could you just share a little bit about how did you become Bodhi Lee? So um, uh, once I saw that they had actually written the book, I never watched the TV show, didn't even know the TV show existed. Um, but a friend uh, had purchased a copy of Thieves of Light. And um, I remember just borrowing the book from him, reading it, and I'm like, wow. Um, I really felt a lot of connection with the main character, who was Bodhi Lee, uh, a.k.a. Christopher Jarvis, who was a young boy from Earth, who um, got really good at the game and found out that the game wasn't just a game, that it was a testing ground for a battle that was going on in outer space. And one of the things that kind of resonated with me with the book is that the character was brash, which I used to be, they used to be, I'm still kind of, I guess, but used to be very brash, not so much arrogant, but a little bit cocky. Um, but his heart was in the right place. And it always was. So I'm like, wow, that character resonates with me. And um, I chose that name because of the characteristics um, as the character was actually written. And I felt that it, that it kind of emulated a lot of me. And that's where I got, that's where I chose that name from. I know there's a lot of people out there that have also chosen names. And even what's interesting is there's a lot of people out there today that, um, you know, use that name and other laser tag um, setups and may be like, wow, I read the book too. And, and it is what it is. And it's okay. I've even had people come to um, the Focon reunion events and people are like, well, you know, I don't want to use the name Bodhi Lee because you use it. I'm like, no, if you play the game and you love it like I do, honor it use the name go out there and have a blast because you know um it's the spirit behind it the spirit behind it what a what a great uh, what a great way to spend your time what a healthy way uh to develop relationships and stuff like that and i'm like any, anybody that uses that name that's you know i'm proud to be in a club with anybody that wants to use that name absolutely actually that's basically how I took the name Tivia also, although I was young enough to be watching the TV show, the books came later. I mean, the other book series and Thieves of Light were sort of two completely different things, but I've always thought that Thieves of Light is a very underrated gem. Yes. Um, very much so. Very much so. Well, so if anybody hasn't read it, definitely pick up a copy of that book from the creative aspect. So Photon was the instrumental start to all this. And then what followed in your life in the laser tag path as a result? I mean, what, what came, where I've gone, I mean, everything, oh my goodness, the people that I've met from all over the world, you know, being able to play against people uh, from Japan, uh, from the Photon in Japan and, and meeting, you know, further along in Lasertron and, and Armageddon tournaments and things like that, getting to meet people from Sweden and from uh, Great Britain and all over the world. Um, that share the love of laser tag. Um, I think it's it's been a. I always when I tell people 
that have never played laser tag before, it's the great thing about laser tag is yes, it is a can be an individual sport. You can go in there, and the, the great thing is you can monitor for most systems. You get some type of feedback on how well you did as an individual. Um, but then you also can work together as a team. It's probably one of the few sports. I mean, obviously with baseball, you've got you know batting averages and things like that. But overall performance, you know, to have to be able to instantly record and see your stats uh, from a game, I thought was really neat. Um, but people always say, you know. The, the, I don't know how you want to say it, the, the controversy that came from laser tag, especially from people that are, I don't know how to want to say it, anti-gun or anti-violence. Um, when they originally put the Photon um, 2020 video out where they had interviewed the Photon players and they were using the term, oh, so you're going to go out there and have a good time and, and kill. And it's like, no, it has nothing to do with killing. Um, and as a matter of fact, honestly, even the people that are out in the arena playing against me, it's not even, I wouldn't even say it's tagging. I, I don't see the people that are in the arena on the opposite team for me as enemies. Um, if I had to say my, my true enemy, if, if not, it's not even my enemy, but my true goal is for self-improvement. Um, so when I'm out there playing with people, I never come out and go, oh, well, you know, that person did this, that person did that. I come out saying, wow, if I had gone upstairs or if I turned this corner or if I engaged over in that area, um, I probably would have been more effective in the game. So it's, um, it is a self-discovery. It's a place where I can go um, and focus on self-improvement, whether it's sportsmanship, um, the physical aspect of it, accuracy, all of those things. Um, it is, it's always been about self-development for me. And I think from the get-go, George Carter III, the inventor of Photon, was very smart to really think hard about the terminology to implement. And it was never about anything related to violence. It was always, you're zapping, you're tagging, you're blasting. It, it's a competitive game. But um, as I think that uh, 2020 interview from back in the day really showed, uh, you know, you don't come out of that thinking anything but positivity, the camaraderie with your team, the, uh, you know, uh, getting riled up uh, against a competitive team against you, but not uh, not in any way that uh, is anything but positive when everybody comes out at the end and is like, oh, look what just happened. Right. It's, it's not, um, you know, again, it, it's, it's still even controversial today in regards to, you know, people want to point violence or societal violence um, on video games. I don't know if, if we could say that maybe video games might be a slightly different because, you know, with laser tag, all I'm hearing are noises from my equipment, uh, a positive sound if I've successfully tagged somebody. The concept of going out there and, and thinking about even uh, never once has it ever crossed my mind. I mean, I'm a range master for my job. I, I, I teach firearms and, you know, for law enforcement. And, um, you know, it is a completely different thought, thought pattern, thought process uh, between doing one with actual live ammunition and doing laser tag. It, it's never been a thought of, harming or hurting somebody. Honestly, there's light, there is a uh, something, a goal that I have to achieve by pressing the trigger. And that gives me that positive feedback, that sound and that score. And that's, that's really all it is. Mm -hmm. And the athleticism of it, because you're running around or at least walking quickly and uh, you're you're getting the endorphins. So there's only, as far as I can see, really positive things that come out of the actual experience in an arena. And, uh, and I think from the first time you have that experience to 
as far as you choose to take your laser tag, um, a, a lot of people would agree with that. And I know a lot of people agree with that because though I had played laser tag prior to 2014, I had not played Photon until Focon 2014, which would have been the first time I met you, although I didn't yeah. know anybody there. So I'm not sure I made the connections, but uh, you were instrumental with that whole project. And uh, tell tell me a little bit about what it was like to bring back Photon and make it a reality 30 years later for players like yourself or anybody who wanted to have that experience one more time. Um. Well, what's interesting is in 2005, either Armageddon of 2005 or 2006, uh, we attempted to include Photon in that Armageddon tournament. Um, and unfortunately, the batteries just, we, we didn't have the, the funds to have the equipment, you know, where it needed to be. And uh, through the efforts of a whole bunch of people, um, the GoFundMe's, but also um, all of the people that volunteered their time to get out there and get the arena fixed back up. We used to have dimmer packs where uh, a long time ago where the lights would fluctuate with the music the way they did the original the original days. Um, but having people, uh, especially teammates of mine that were, were instrumental, uh, Photon teammates of mine that were instrumental in bringing back the lighting, bringing back the scene, bringing back the atmosphere, um, it is something that for me to be able to be involved in that um to know there's personal parts of it to me because yes i love playing photon and you know enjoy anytime i can put a helmet on and you know pull that trigger and hear the sounds but to see the faces come in uh to see the joy um not only of the people who played long ago being able to play but i know they had to tell their children um how instrumental and how impactful photon was on their life for them to be able to share it with their kids um that's like a passion of mine is sharing uh, laser tag, sharing uh, most of the people that know me. Um, whenever I go in and play a game or whenever I come out of a game, especially if there's a new person or a newer person, I make it a point to try to pull them aside and give them pointers, things that I saw that they could do to improve their game because um, I had people that did that for me as well. But um, especially from a competitive level, I never got joy playing against people that were new. Um, I always taught people that I was teaching to play laser tag that you're only as good as the people that you play against. And if you are the best player, then you need to play against two people that are getting there uh, to help increase your skill. So, I mean, just overall doing the whole Focon thing and, again, seeing people that I had played against, you know, um, back in the late 80s, early 90s at tournaments, and having them come back in and unfortunately I have some people that say, well, I don't want to come because, you know, I'm out of shape and I'm, I'm like, oh my goodness, it is not about being in shape. All of us have, all of us have gotten older. Um, but please, I, you know, I beg them, especially the people that I knew uh, from Ocean City, I beg them, please come back and do this. We don't care what you look like. We don't care how big you are. We don't care how out of shape, how much hair you've lost. Um, come because it's, it's the joy of doing something that brought us all together years ago. Absolutely. And uh, I just want to say, as I just told you, I played laser tag casually prior to that point, but I can very well relate to what you said at the beginning about how when you experienced Photon, even before you got in there, you said to yourself, 
this is something I'll be doing for the rest of my life. Well, I want to thank you and Mark and Jason and everybody who was involved with Focon 2014, because that's when it really hit home for me. That was when my laser tag journey really started as far as I'm concerned. So that was very influential in my world. And I hadn't even been amongst your your group or, you know, the people who had had that original experience. So it, it just continues to be the gift that gives. And, uh, and, and when, that's when I said that joy, joy is all mine. It really is. And I hope everybody, like when you came in, I hope you felt that I wanted to get people in as many games as I could as, as often as I could. And um, as joyful as you were probably playing, I would say that joy was equal by me being able to give that to everybody and help give that to everybody and be there uh, to help run it and, and bring it back for, for people. Um, it, it, that is joy, joy to me. Well, that was a tremendous experience. And I think anybody who's had the photon experience, that kind of goes into a category by itself. But then it's also the granddaddy of all the laser tag that came thereafter. So you moved on to Lasertron, obviously was uh, what moved in uh, at Laurel, and uh, and then into the tactical world. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. And I'd love to know uh, how you feel other laser tags compare with the original and with each other. Okay, so um, Photon will always be my true love, and, and people say, oh, would, would you rather play Photon? If you had a choice, if they could open a Photon in your hometown, um, would you jump for joy to go back and be a part of it? And surprisingly enough, my answer might be hesitant to no. And the reason I say that is um, with Photon, uh, we developed over those years a style of playing that um, was very, very, very physically demanding. Um, and even having people come back for Focon, I didn't, couldn't quite get the joy that I would. Now, if somebody came to me and said, uh, they're opening 100 Photons all across the country uh, starting tomorrow, I would be jumping for joy because now we all have the opportunity to go and train um, and be equal. But unfortunately, hosting at Laurel, I mean, I could tell you, I could turn the field lights off in Laurel. It could be pitch black in there. And I helped, I was around when the arena was being built. I know that, I knew that, knew that arena like the back of my hand. So even having people coming in that were really, really high experience, there's a part of me going, I have to reserve and hold myself back because these people don't have the opportunity to play on this arena as much as I have. Um, so that being said, I love Photon. I think that you know, maybe before it's time, I think the simplicity of it um, was was really neat. Uh, I know that it might not um, with, it seems like everything today with video games and things, there's so much stimulus going in and so many options, especially, you know, again, Call of Duty or playing any type of tactical laser tag. There are so many technical things that you can do with the gear between changing weapon types, between changing the amount of lives and a special... Um, awards that you get during the game that help uh, boost your performance. You know, Photon didn't have that. It was simple for everyone. I don't know if people today would find that joy because they're so used to um, the bombardment of stimuli that a lot of the modern game systems have. Um, it's just different. It, it's not necessarily bad or worse. When I moved to Lasertron, um, you know, we advanced that game. I say we, um, the players from Laurel, Maryland, uh, advanced that system uh, well along the lines. I think they had had a, some type of tournament um, 
in Buffalo before we got there, but in 2005, they hosted the first uh, Lasertron World Championships. And of course, um, the Laurel team, the core team from Laurel, Team Overpower, I was not part of that team. Um, I was uh, actually got picked up on a throw together team in, in Buffalo, but the team from Laurel, the, probably the average age on that team back in 2005, the average age was probably 35 to 40 years old. And we went to Buffalo and of course, uh, there were a lot of young people there and a lot of people, uh, kind of a humorous story, uh, if we've got time, is that um, we went there and I remember going in and there was, just like with any competitive event, there was a lot of trash talking and a and little bit of attitudes going back and forth. Um, but when all of the players, all the teams, I think there were 13 teams that year that took the field against overpower and were brutally, when I say brutally beaten, Brutally beaten score-wise, um, Overpower doubled every team score every game and tripled a lot of play, team scores. And it went from trash-talking that Friday that started the tournament that by that Sunday, um, I had actually blew my knee out at the World Championships. Um, and it went from that Friday, people talking trash to each other, to Saturday, people shaking hands at the end of the, the, the game and coming out win or lose hey, that was a great game, to Sunday after I blew my knee out at the World Championships, I had the team that I was getting ready to go in and play. I, even though I blew my knee out, I band, wrapped my knee up, and I basically I knew I couldn't go anywhere, but I could stand by an energizer and still I could still shoot. My leg didn't work, but I could, I could still fire. Um, I had the players from the team that I was getting ready to play come up and put their arms around me and walk me out to the field, which that was kind of cool, you know, that, that – um, you know, that it went from that to that. So we developed Lasertron and, and took it to a um, also a very physical, just, just by the amount of years that we had. And, and so comparing each one, each one had their, their pluses and minuses, their bonuses, everything involved. Um, I'm honestly just starting to, to get my foot wet in the um, tactical world. Um, Mark had purchased in 2015 was when he purchased uh, Battle Companies, um, uh, Battle Rifle Pros, and, and – even there, I was only there maybe once a month, once every two months or whatever, and just getting my feet wet. And I just started with a local uh, business um, in Delaware uh, who uses the same gear that he does. And, and I'm still learning so many nuances. Almost, I go out there and I see new players coming in that play, obviously play Call of Duty on their computer or they play Airsoft. And it's like, wow, their skill. I'm looking at like, I don't know how I would do against this person. Um, I typically do well, but I don't know how I do against them. So there's a lot of differences between each type of system that are out there. And, and to choose one, I think there are aspects of each that I like. I feel that way about a lot of different types of laser tag as well. And uh, I'd love to move into your current experience with Battle Company and the two realms where you've used that the most, it sounds like, other than maybe when uh, Mark had it in Laurel. But um, you have... Uh, begun something Delmarva laser tag. Can you tell me a little about what you do and what that is? Yeah. So, um, obviously, uh, most of your large laser tag facilities typically tend to open in more metropolitan areas, although you may get a few. Um, but here on the Delaware, Maryland, Virginia Peninsula, that's known as Delmarva, um, there are three, four, maybe, well, the main event, maybe six total top uh, actual laser tag systems on Delmarva. And 
um, I decided to, the place that I'm actually affiliated with now uh, just opened in September, but prior to that, um, everything over on the Baltimore, Maryland side for me had closed down and had, didn't have any place to play. And so I decided uh, to put some money into Battle Company's uh, BRX, which is their home version of their tactical tactical equipment. Um, so I originally bought two, just one for myself and my son, just to try it out because I know that their commercial gear is awesome. But I was like, yeah, I don't know how you know how good their home gear, but obviously I can't just buy one because I would have to be able to register and see how tags work and how powerful you know the equipment was and how um, advanced and, and playable the the firmware that's in it is. Um, so I was like, I bought the two. My son and I got out. I was like, okay, this actually plays pretty close to um, their Battle Rifle Pro, their commercial equipment, without the bells and whistles of their game software Edge. Um, but in and of itself, the built-in games that come with the taggers are, um, were fun. So I have those. I bought those two, and then I was like, you know what? Uh, they are good enough. I think that uh, we can have some fun. And so I decided to buy a few more. I've got a total of six. Um, and what we do is we go around to the local state forests and some of the local state parks, the ones that will allow us, um, unfortunately, um, it, it, sometimes you meet with a little bit of, of reservation because, um, people are afraid of scare of guests or people walking on that land being afraid that there's actual, um, you know, a firefight going on, if you will. But, uh, the group that I have, I don't charge people to play. We, um, figure out state parks or, or local um, state forests and hook up, meet up and go and, and play laser tag. And it's one of those things that I set it up to have that equipment to say, hey, come out and play. If you enjoy it, go on Battle Company's website, buy your own. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine um, did just that. He went and bought his own um, BRX. But uh, obviously, us being in the mid-Atlantic region is kind of seasonal. Uh, even though their equipment would play in the wintertime, a lot of people don't want to go out in the wintertime. So um, it, it's a nonprofit. It's something I really uh, – I didn't – I don't advertise that I would make any money. Um, I did a Comic-Con here in uh, Dover, Delaware uh, last year, and the ironic thing is that people came. They got you know flyers from my organization, and people started saying, hey, can you come do my birthday party? And I'm like, oh. Uh, I don't have a business. I don't have a license, but I'm going to refer you to a friend of mine who has their own and their equipment is more advanced. So um, Del Marble Laser Tag, again, it's, it's not a business. It's just a group of people that get together and play. And I wanted to share that, um, share that passion uh, with people that may want to do it. And it's not, I set it up not just to use our BRXs, but to also encourage people maybe to do road trips and to go visit some of the local commercial arenas, you know, in the mid-Atlantic area. Um, so that's kind of what we do with Del Marble Laser Tag. Well, that's awesome. And it's also a very different kind of an experience to play outdoors. I've played a, a handful of outdoor fields that have been set up, but playing in the woods is something I've only done it once. And actually, it was kind of near your neck of the woods. It was the Appalachian Laser Tag Festival with the uh, Laser Tag Club at Virginia Tech. And uh, that's a very different experience to play in the woods. So how would you compare outdoor laser tag versus traditional arena maze? Well, it kind of, um, it's a different uh, a different feel in a different world. Uh, when people, 
you know, people often ask, you know, comparison with airsoft paintball or, or, you know, now jelly ball, um, to compare those, uh, it, it's difficult because the adrenaline for laser tag, in my opinion, is different from the adrenaline from paintball or airsoft or jelly ball, something where one hit and you're, for most people that play uh, paintball or airsoft, one hit and you're out of the game, where laser tag typically is points-based um, and it plays more towards the, the video game aspect. Hunting in the woods um, is fun. Unfortunately, on, in Delmarva, our terrain here is really, really flat. Um, so it's kind of hard to find, you know, uh, areas where you have elevation. Um, when you get to the northern part of Delaware, they are, there are some places that do have elevation, but um, it's typically flat and you're utilizing trees. Um, I use hunting blinds, which um, Mark and a lot of the mobile operators uh, for especially um, battle companies, their infrared lasers are so strong that you can't just use any tent. You have to use actual hunting blinds that have the black interior um, because battle companies, uh, IR lasers are so powerful, they'll, they'll shoot through. Um, they won't shoot through the hunting blinds, but they'll shoot through any nylon tent or anything that you put up. So um, playing in the woods, it just adds a different feel. It's more, you're out more in nature, but of course, then you also have to worry about when you're playing, you typically are a little bit more cautious because in a flat indoor arena, you're pretty sure of the terrain, even if there's ramps, they stay in the same spot every place. And you know, typically there aren't any dips in the floor or any place where you're going to step in a pothole or get tripped up by a root of a tree. So you have to be a little bit more cautious uh, with the way that you play um, when you're out in the woods. Obviously, also in the summertime, you know, bug spray is kind of essential with Lyme disease and things like that out there now. Um, adds a different twist. Um, playing in daylight, which a lot of these places, parks and things like that, and state parks will close after dark, so you don't get the, the joy of, of, you know, seeing people. You still see their lights, but, uh, you know, it's not the same feeling as a dark arena. Um, if I had a preference, I would say I would probably want to play uh, more arena than I, than I would outside. Um, but that's just because what I was raised with and, and the fast pacedness of a six minute, you know, um, six minute indoor laser tag game. So definitely some differences between outdoor and indoor laser tag. And you spend some time playing the battle company system indoors as well, because I know you're doing some coaching and some refing at a local arena. And um, I'm looking forward actually to very soon making my own visit to see Diamond State Laser Tag and what it's all about. And wonder if you can kind of give me some insight as to what I might expect there. Um, the owner of the facility, um, really, really nice guy. He uh is an owner of one of the local haunted attractions, a uh, very, very popular attraction here on Delmarva, uh, 301 Devil's Playground. Um, so a lot of his background is in the haunt industry. And as such, he themed his arena. Um, I don't know his total square footage. I would probably say it's pretty close to uh, Laurel, Maryland's uh, facility. It's about 40, maybe 4,500. Uh, 4,000 to 4,500 square feet total. Um, it is themed to the nines. And when I say it's themed to the nines, it looks like um, you're in the movie Resident Evil. It looks like a laboratory uh, virus, zombie, whatever you want to say, gone wrong. Um, has a lot of animatronics that he can use. Typically, he doesn't have them in play 
during the laser tag games, but he does do a um, a zombie tag. He did one this past year uh, just after Halloween uh, for the full month of November um, where he would have his role players from his Haunted attraction come and be zombies uh, in the laser tag arena. Um, theming, it's, it's not a 100% symmetrical arena. Like I... Yeah, I'm a very much I'm a big believer, um, especially for competitive laser tag, that the arenas be as symmetrical as possible. I know a lot of um, manufacturers don't. Uh, people that that put arenas up, they just throw walls up everywhere, which is okay. Um, you can still have fun doing that, but um, with laser tag, for me, it's a very to me it's it's very competitive. Uh, this arena, even though it's not perfectly symmetrical, um, it plays really really well. Typically, you know, I've been to places where the arena is seen you know, amazing. Uh, everything is just really jaw-dropping, um, but it's not very playable. And and eh. but and then I've been to places where the arena is not themed, you know, to the nines at all, but the equipment and the layout is so much fun. I I can't wait for you to get here because this is, uh, I want to get your opinion since you've played so many arenas. Um, I think this one is a good mix between playability and theming um it like i said it's like walking into a resident evil movie set um you know siren lights go or the you know strobe light not strobe but the actual you know siren or caution light spinning police type of light spinning um everywhere that you go and it just it's a really neat themed arena the building itself is really small um but he made good use of his space He's themed it more for adults, so there's um, they'll do birthday parties uh, where you can bring your group in, but there's really no uh, birthday party areas, no video games. The entire building pretty much is dedicated um, to the laser tag, and he is using uh, Battle Company's Battle Rifle Pro um, system. So um, it is it's really neat, it's really neat. I enjoy it. Well, I was there uh, the day that they opened. I got to actually meet the owner while it was. In uh, while it was being constructed, uh, he put the sign up. Probably we opened this past September. Uh, he probably had the sign up four, maybe five years ago. Um, and you know, everybody, of course, that knows me, I'm the go-to guy. Everybody's, when's it going to open? When? I'm like, I I'm not involved with it. I'm, I don't know. And they kept asking. And finally, one day, I drove by and I saw there were some zombie torsos sitting out outside the building and all of the fire doors were open. I'm like, Oh, okay. Somebody's there. And so the contractors were there building the arena and the owner came out and, um, and met with me. So, uh, talked a little bit and he told me he didn't know the name of the gear, but, uh, uh, the way he described it, I was like, okay, that's, that sounds like it's probably battle companies, uh, battle companies here. Um, and that was probably about almost two years ago. And he didn't open until this past September. Um, the building was it's a, uh, a metal, um, not a pole shed type of building, but a, a metal uh, warehouse type of setting. And it used to be an indoor uh, skateboarding park. And what I found out was that because it was an indoor skateboarding park, there was no need for a sprinkler system in the building uh, because everybody's skateboarding on top of plywood, not playing underneath it. And uh, so when he built his arena, uh, going through code, you know, all the coding and things like that, he needed to have a sprinkler system put in. Unfortunately, the building was not plumbed for it, so he had to go out and get a um, evaporative, evaporative tank to um, to be able to 
set the arena up with plumbing. So it took them that long. And anybody that has been in the laser tag industry knows that um, the hoops and hurdles that you have to jump through when it comes to fire codes, which is for good reason. You know, you want to make sure that were something to happen that people could safely evacuate. Um, but uh, Rand had probably had to jump through a lot of hoops to get the place open. Well, I have seen some pretty impressive looking videos of this uh, space online, and I'm looking forward to coming down there myself. Now, I play an awful lot more traditional tag than tactical. So I want to be competitive when I play against your guys. You coach, you ref. What are some tips that you would give to somebody who's like me coming from the traditional angle or maybe coming into um, to play for the first time? How can somebody succeed well with the equipment and the arena that uh, that you're associated with now? Um, I would say probably the first thing is to make sure whoever comes in that they pay attention uh, to the briefing uh, that's given. And the reason for that is um, at Diamond State, they do an hour session and there are six uh, games in that hour session. Uh, and each one of those games has a slightly different nuance to it. Uh, there are three team deathmatch games that is the only objective is player tag, and each one of those um, team deathmatch games has a different weapon. So you've got a traditional machine gun, you have a sniper rifle, and a shotgun um, in each of those, each separate in each of those three games. And then there's a domination uh, type of game a king of the hill and a capture the flag. And they're all kind of interspersed. Uh, so the most important thing probably would be to, to make sure you pay attention to the instructions so that you know the game's objective. Um, tactical laser tag. And I know that uh, some of the traditionals are starting to lean toward that way in regards to putting scopes on the top of their taggers. Um, as a firearms instructor, um, I teach uh, everything from handgun, shotgun to patrol rifle and things like that, um, there's a concept called barrel sight relationship. So your sights sit on top of the tagger and they sit approximately two inches higher than where the actual infrared beam comes out. So that being said, um, depending on where the facility sights their uh, taggers to will depend on what will influence where you want to place the dot in your scope on the person's sensor. So, for example, if um, if the tagger is sighted 25 or 30 yards away, meaning when they adjust the sights on it, they have the target 30 yards away, and when you place your dot in the center of your reticle on the sensor, you score a hit. If that's where they're sighted at 30 yards away, if I move up to someone point blank, so, for example, if I were to come up and I was three inches away from your face, if I were to put my dot of my, um, on the top of my tagger on the sensor on your headband, um, I would not score a hit because that dot is on your headband. The actual infrared emitter would be somewhere between your nose and your mouth. Um, so that barrel sight relationship is kind of important. Um, also knowing the cues, it has a lot of stuff that is similar to traditional laser tag in regards to uh, there is feedback when you tag someone. Um, obviously, if you're a traditional laser tag, you might not be used to wearing a headband. There is no vest in uh, the battle company equipment. You have three receivers on the front of your tagger, so you can be tagged um, on the front of the tagger, so no blind firing, um, not only to not injure people, but also 
Um, you're not going to be able to see what you're aiming at, and they can see the, the front of your tagger and take you out without you knowing it. Um, but also, you have four sensor areas, four sensor areas on the headband, and those do flash uh, when somebody's successfully tagging there. So getting to know those will be important as well. Um, and then the sounds, you don't typically get instant feedback until you actually take a player out. Once you have eliminated them um, from play, uh, the battle company gear is set up so that your targeting reticle will change from red to green. So as I'm tagging someone, I'm seeing their headband flash as I'm tagging them, um, but as soon as I eliminate them at that time, my reticle flashes green for about a second and a half just to let you know that, yes, you, you successfully eliminated them um, at that time. Everything is, for this system, they can set it up so that you can respawn in place, but a lot of operators don't do that. They actually make their players go back to a home base area uh, to respawn to get back in the game. So um, I would say listening, if I had to give tips for people that are first coming in, Understand barrel site relationship, knowing where to place that dot in relation to how far away the person is from you. Um, know the objectives of each game. Um, there are a lot of advanced features on the game that Diamond State right now is not using. They're playing very simple games. And that's a good business plan because when you're opening something new that most people in the area haven't seen before, um, you know, starting out simple is the best way. So. Uh, battle companies equipment has the ability to change weapons mid-game, um, and some operators do that now that they've been open a while, but Diamond State shows you um, each game you have one specific weapon, um, typically, and so there's not a there's not a learning curve until you get into more advanced games. One of the things that I really like about Battle Company is I know they refer to themselves more as modern laser tag. I think of them as tactical, but I also think they're something of a hybrid because there is a bit of a traditional feel to that. And it sounds like that's what you've experienced as well. Yes. Uh, like So when we think of it, I'm not with Battle Company's equipment, you know, they've from what I know, and again, I'm not an owner-operator, but um, knowing people that are affiliated with Battle Company, their um, designer, their person that is working on the software and the game format and that type of thing is a hardcore gamer. Yes, um, and that being, yeah, that being said, um, when games and upgrades and features are being designed for their equipment, they're not just doing it from a general like you said, traditional laser tag perspective, but, you know, knowing all of the new modern um, first-person shooter games that are out on PlayStation and Xbox, integrating those things is what's going to appeal to the new breed and uh, new people that, that come out to play laser tag. I agree. And I think that that's part of why they wanted to uh, kind of lean into the terminology of it being modern versus identifying tactical or traditional, because there is uh, a lot of video game kind of feel to it as well. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's definitely a different experience than some of the other laser tags uh, that you've been involved with, but all of them have something of value to offer, which is why players keep coming back. And I'd love to know what you feel you have most gained from being involved in the laser tag scene. Um, I, if I had to say there was one thing being involved in this and, and 
you know, 37 years, 36 years now uh, being in it um, is, and we discussed before we started uh, the interview, I'm not a very technologically savvy person. I just, um, I love uh, the skill that's required in doing, in playing laser tag, um, the strategy and mind, not everybody uh, is a good strategist. That's okay. When we play, when I play uh, competitive laser tag, you have some people that are really strategic minded and some people that are just like, wind me up and send me out in the arena and tell me what to do and I'll do it. And um, I think the great thing about laser tag is that you can find a niche in either side with that. Um, but I would say if there was one overall, um, I guess, outstanding word or word that would describe my total experience being in laser tag, um, I would say is probably the sense of family. Um, meeting the people that I've met, uh, knowing the people that I know, um, some of them, you know, it's kind of interesting. I think that it's all, when I say it's like a family, it kind of is like a family because, you know, brothers and sisters tend to spat uh, <laughs> and, you know, get into arguments and stuff like that at home. But Lord forbid, if somebody were to try to hurt your brother or sister, you know, you would be right there uh, for them. And, and kind of the same thing with, with laser tag, especially from competitive laser tag. Yes, there are players out there that we will argue back and forth while the game is going on. But ultimately, um, there is a, a sense of family with the love that we share for the sport. And I, you know, I, I never refer to it as a game. I refer to it as a sport because um, to me, all of the things that are required in it um, meet all of the criteria of a sport. Very good. And uh, I, I agree a lot of uh, family vibe on the field and the field is where you find some of the best stories too. And that's where this uh, podcast began was to hear some laser tag stories. So just to segue into that, I would love to hear what is the most unbelievable thing that has ever happened to you or to your team during a laser tag game or a tournament? Ooh, that is a really big question. Um, I would say probably one of the, if I had to be shocked, um, if we, if we could go into the shocking description, um, when we held Photon in 2014, um, I knew that the creator of Photon, George Carter, was going to be there. Um, I did not do my research and see what modern photographs of George Carter III, looked, what he looked like, had no idea. I had the same image that I saw with the 2020 interview. Here's this person in, you know, in their 20, late 20s, early 30s, however old he was when he designed it, and had no idea what he looked like. And here I am, we're hosting FOCON, and we've got people going, and we've got some games going, you know, out in the arena. And in walks this diminutive, and I please, if George Carter, if you were listening to this, please don't take this disrespectfully, but a diminutive older man um, who did not meet the picture that I had in my head when I thought of George Carter. So uh, this person's walking in through the facility and I'm like, you know, being greeting everybody and happy that everybody's there. How are you doing today, sir? Can I help you? And he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for, um, I'm looking for Mark Muir. I was like, uh, yeah, I think he's around here somewhere. Um, and uh, can I tell him? And he kind of looked at me and he goes, I'm George Carter the third. If my jaw could have dropped any harder onto the floor, I, I, I don't think it would have. I probably would have put a hole in the floor. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is awesome. Um, and then he asked, he's like, well, do you have an observation deck where I can, can go up and see, you know, see where the games evolve to? I was like, yeah, we, we've got an observation deck. We do, but I'm not going to allow you to go up there. Um, 
yet because I want you to come out onto the field with me because you built this, you created this, you made this universe that became such an integral part of my life, um, the impact that it's had on me. You deserve to be out in the field first. Then you can watch. And so literally walking George Carter III um, out onto a photon field that was years past his making um, probably was one of the coolest experiences um, that I've ever had. Um, so that would be like the shocker. I would say if I had to have one that was um, memorable uh, at the Lasertron World Championships every year, they would have a um, – top player challenge, basically. Uh, the players for the tournament would elect four people who, in their, they would all vote as a team, you know, um, as teams, they would all vote, not only just for their person, but they had a chance to vote for everybody that was involved. And um, I was blessed that pretty much every year I got to be in that top four uh, people competing in that event. And it was an overall we played three or four different formats and the overall winner who had the most points uh, was declared the winner. And the person that was consistently declared the winner uh, was a player by the name of Cyberwolf. Um, and uh, Cyberwolf started playing laser tag, I believe when he was about eight years old, he started playing in Laurel, Maryland. Uh, I was the assistant general manager at the, of the store at that time uh, when he started playing. And uh, I remember, you know, his mom, and his father would bring him in pretty much every week. And he kind of got attached to my hip at the side as a, as a young man. And, and he would always come in and he challenged me to a one-on-one -on -one in the arena. And, of course, I'd go out there and I'd play. And, of course, I would never give it my all against an eight-year-old. Um, but as he grew and as his age increased, um, he looked at me one day and said, "Can you don't, please don't take it easy on me Okay, you you want he's like yeah, don't take it easy on on me this time, and so from that point on, I gave him my all and I coached him and I, and I helped uh, bring him up at least in photon, and when Lasertron came around, uh, he was um, if there was a person that would go down the history book that's probably the best Lasertron player out there, it was him, and of course I started teaching him how to play laser tag when he was eight, and I named my son after him because he was, uh, he's such a respectful person. And when he went out and played in the arena, there was no attitude. There was no trash talking. He would come out and shake your hand. And I'm like, wow, I hope my son really, you know, if he's half the person that, that Cyberwolf is, um, I didn't name my son Cyberwolf. I named my son Zach. But um, if he's half the person that, that Cyberwolf is, I will be a blessed, a blessed dad. And um, to be able to go out in the Laser Trial World Championships, and play against the person that I helped train and to have him beat me um, every time and to come out and the laughter and us putting our arms around each other um, and just being, being out there playing with somebody that was such a great caliber player, but also an awesome, um, an awesome person. Um, I think that's probably one of my most enjoyable. And I say one of my every year doing that was, was a very enjoyable moment uh, besides the other players. I think we all came out, um, and everybody was happy. Even though we didn't win, we knew he won. Um, it was good sportsmanship and good camaraderie. And I think that, honestly, that's one of the things that um, I try to foster wherever I go is that, you know, people are 
people can be pretty cruel. People can be pretty mean. People can, can trash talk. Um, true power and true strength in any competitive sport is the ability to go out there and be better than everybody else and don't hold it above people. And, and to, uh, to encourage people and, and say, hey, look, this is how I beat you. Um, do this or fix this or change this. Change the way you stand and uh, you'll probably have better angles to take. Yeah, that, that to me, um, that's what a true sportsman is. And, and I don't know, that's, that's the thing that I remember the most or, or think about the most when I think about laser tag. Well, those are two awesome stories to end on. Um, so I appreciate your time. And I'd like to just finish things up here with a little rapid fire tag talk. Quick questions to you, quick answers back. You game for that? Okay, got it. All right. Favorite laser tag system of all time? Photon. Favorite arena? Oh, that would be Law, Maryland, um, Photon Field. Coolest person you've met through laser tag? That's that's a toss up. Uh, George Carter and and uh, David Stay, both of them kind of need to meet both of them. Coolest place that you've ever visited because of laser tag? I would say probably just the Buffalo area because there's so many things to do around there, Niagara Falls and stuff. So I would say uh, Lasertron in Buffalo. Favorite prize or souvenir? Um, getting the first place trophy in um, Baltageddon uh, because I'd never achieved a first place trophy as a team. I did a lot of first places as individual events, but I always played with teams that were um, not as good just because I liked playing with friends and people that I like. Um, so winning an actual team and having a trophy from a first place team event. Favorite snack at the concession stand? Mm, yeah, I'm, yeah, pizza. And favorite team name for a team you've played on? Lawless. All righty. Well, thank you for uh, all the stories and that rapid fire tag talk. I thank you for being my guest. That's Randy Metting, a.k.a. Bodie Lee, joining me for some laser unfocused tag talk. Thanks, Randy. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thanks. Thanks for checking out this episode of Laser Unfocused Tag Talk. Listen for more episodes on the first and third Friday of each month. Want to be a guest on an upcoming episode? Find out more and follow my blog and website at TiviaChickLovesLaserTag.com. <laughs>